Exodus chapter 3, 1 through 14, it says this. Now, Moses was tending the flock of Jethro. Everybody say Jethro. Jethro. Y'all remember Jethro from Beverly Hillbillies? Any old school people here? This, well, this one him. Amen. All right. Okay, so Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And there the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. And Moses saw that through the, though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, keep going, I will go over and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush. Moses, Moses, and Moses said, here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your chanclas, come on, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. And then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And at this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. Keep going. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. And I've heard them crying out because of their slave drivers. And I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go, I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. Amen. Uh, let me stop right there. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you right now for your presence that is here. We ask, Lord God, that you would just come into this place, illuminate the word, Lord, so it will set us free in our minds. I pray right now that you will release prophetic visions to people in this house so they can see their promise, so they can see what it is that you have for them, what you're calling them to, and what they must do to possess it. We ask that you move prophetically in this place in Jesus' name, amen and amen. There's a couple things I want you to catch in, in what we've just read here. Number one, it's interesting to me that in this scripture, in Exodus chapter 3, God comes to Moses as he was tending to another man's business. How many know you can't live a life that's just all about you? Can I get an amen on that? We're not called to be unto ourselves, ever. We're called to always be connected to greater purposes than our own. It's a big reason we go into the nations and we sow into other ministries and, and we connect with Pastor Charles in El Paso because this thing just can't be about us, okay? This thing has got to be greater than us. And there are times when you're tending to another man's business or you're serving another man's ministry or another church's ministry. Those are the times you're going to be closest to God because self is not involved in that. Commitment is. Faithfulness is. Okay, and we see here that God doesn't just come to Moses as he's, you know, lollygagging it around. He comes to Moses when he's tending to another man's vision. Comes to him as he's serving. Come on, everybody say serving. Serving, serving is one of the most powerful uh, blessings that people miss all the time because serving takes effort. Serving takes commitment. Serving hurts a little bit. Okay, but it's in those times you're going to see that God is closest to you. We've got to serve. And we see God comes to Moses as he's tending to another man's business. Uh, we also see here, the second thing we see is that God appears to Moses in a mountain. And it doesn't make sense. And we've talked about here before that we're called to be mountaineers, mountain people. Montañeros, if you say it in Spanish. Amen. I know that could be a hillbilly term or whatever, but we're called to dwell in the mountains. What does that mean? That means the mountain, see, the mountain in the Bible is always significant of where the presence of God dwells. If you're a mountaineer, it means you're a man of prayer. If you're a woman, a woman of the mountain, that don't mean you're crazy looking and a savage and all that kind of thing. It means you're a prayer woman. I'll tell you what, everybody here needs to go see that movie War Room powerful, powerful movie. 
it's not a Hollywood movie. So don't, if you're going there expecting special effects, you ain't going to get it. But if you're, you go in there, you're going to sense God through that movie. And it's going to convict your heart to do some more things in prayer. I, I guarantee you, do yourself a favor and go see that movie. Amen? Look at the person next to you and say, go see that movie. Somebody said, oh, well, the church, we should all go. No, why we always got to do that for you? You go yourself. Amen? <laughs> Somebody's got to coordinate that kind of thing. All right? So you go. Do yourself a favor and go see that movie. But God is closest. God appears to Moses not when he's on the ball field. Come on. Not when he's watching TV. Amen? Because you had TVs back then. Not when he's lounging and, and you know, uh, having recreation. But when he's in the mountain. It's so important that when we're living life, we're people of the mountain. We have that time with God every day. Say every day. Where we just slip away and get to the mountain of God. Because it's in there that God will speak. And this day Moses was in the mountain. And God begins to speak. And I love the way the Bible puts it here. It says Moses was intrigued because what he saw didn't make sense. I'm just going to let that marinate a little bit. Moses was intrigued because while he was in the mountain, what he saw didn't make sense. There are things that God is going to speak to you that just don't make sense. I've told you this story many times before, and it's just because that's my point of reference. 19 years old, God calls me to go to the nations. It just didn't make sense. Didn't have no money. Couldn't keep my room clean. Come on. Only been saved a few months. And God's saying, you're going to go to the nation. It just didn't make sense. Some of you, when you're going on this Philippines trip, it didn't make sense when God said, you need to go. It's like, whoa, what? I'm not a priest. I don't have a Bible college degree. I'm barely in this thing. How am I going to go and make a difference? See, it doesn't always make sense when God speaks to you. But you got to go a little further. And so the Bible says Moses dug in a little further. He saw something that didn't make sense. He didn't run from it. He ran to it. We need to be like that in our lives when God speak to us, speaks to us. Can I get an amen? amen. Let's look at Exodus. Well, let's keep reading at uh, uh, Exodus chapter 3, verse 10. And we just stopped. Let's, let's start with 11. Oh, actually, let's start with verse 10. It says this. So now go. So God's continuing to speak to Moses here. He says, so now go. I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. Look at verse 11. But Moses says to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And God said, I'll be with you, and this will be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. Oh, come on, somebody. Bring the people, bring your disciples to this mountain. Verse 13, Moses said to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they asked me, what is his name? Then what am I going to tell them? And God said to Moses, hey, I am who I am. And this is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. Ooh, that's powerful right there. See, the church, we're kind of like this. God gives us a mission. God tells us to do something. And we're worried about what the people are going to think. We're worried about, well, how am I going to get this done? We're worried about, well, what's so-and-so going to say? I hear the Spirit of God say to you today, tell them I am that I am sent you. We have to be people who don't question our identity. We got to be people that know who we are and whose we are. And although some of us been in the church 5, 10, 15, 20 years, still don't know who you are. And it's evidence in your prayers. It's evidence in the lack of your prayers. You don't know who you are. You don't know whose you are. And this morning, I pray that through the power of revelation, God begins to reveal who you are and you come up out of the bondage of the spirit of this world. Because we don't want to be a church that's under the spirit of this age. And if we're going to be people, if we're going to do, be Christians that do great things, we got to know who we are. Can I get an amen on that? Amen. Don't question your authority. So God gives Moses this mission. 
Moses is kind of like, hey, come on, really? Is this going to happen? What are they going to say? Let's look at now uh, at what happens in uh, Exodus chapter 8. You can put it on the screen there. Exodus chapter 8, verse 25, 28, Moses says, okay, I am that I am is sending me. He goes before, Moses, uh, before Pharaoh, and let's look at, see Pharaoh's response here. It's very interesting. So Moses goes, verse uh, Exodus 8, 25, it says this, then Pharaoh summons Moses and Aaron and says, go sacrifice to your God here in the land. Let me keep going. Let me stop right there for a moment. So God appears to Moses in the bush. Gives Moses a mandate, get out there and talk to Pharaoh to get, let, get him to let the people go. Moses and Aaron go before Pharaoh. They share God's word to Pharaoh. And Pharaoh says this, go and sacrifice to your God. Listen, here in the land. Is that what God said? Did God say, go to Pharaoh and ask him to let our people sacrifice in the land? Come on, did God say that? No, God said, go to Pharaoh, and he said to tell him to let the people go so that they can worship and sacrifice where? In the mountain, in the mountain. But look at Pharaoh's response. Look at the spirit of this world's response to the man of God. Uh, go sacrifice here. Somebody say compromise. Look at verse 26. But Moses says, that would not be right. Come on, Moses. No, nah, that ain't going to work. The sacrifices we offer the Lord our God would be detestable to the Egyptians. And we offer sacrifices that are detestable in their eyes. Won't they stone us? We must take a three-day journey into the wilderness to offer sacrifices. Everybody say sacrifices. To the Lord our God as he commands us. And Pharaoh says... I'll let you go to offer sacrifices to the Lord, your God, in the wilderness. Listen to this. But you must not go very far. What I want to speak to you about this morning is called serving God Satan's way. You say, Pastor, that, that, that's, that don't even make sense. No, it makes a lot of sense. Satan don't mind you being a Christian. Satan don't mind you even going to church. Just don't make Jesus your Lord. He don't mind you giving your own little old life to God. He just don't want you giving God to others. And we've got a generation of churches in America that are serving God Satan's way. I don't want to be one of them churches. I don't want to be one of them Christians. Because you know what? That kind of Christianity, it just don't work. Could it be that's why divorce is just as high as it is in the church as it is in the world? Could it be when in most churches when teenagers turn 18, they leave church never to return, 80%. Could it be why there's just as much mess going on with the kids in children's church as there is in kids in preschool. It don't matter if you name them biblical names. I wish that worked, but it don't. Anybody ever worked in the children's ministry knows sometimes the worst one is the one with the most holiest name. Little destinies in the, in the, in the, in the nursery just throwing blocks at folk. I wish, it, I wish we could just give them a good name and it would work. Little Jesus is in there holding <laughs> folks up. And still in Legos. Comes home with a pocket full of Legos. From the Jesus. Why do we have these things? Why, 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 is it, why is it like we're not experiencing the true new life that Jesus came to give us? I submit to you, maybe we're not doing this thing right. I submit to you, could it be that we are serving God with a spirit of compromise? I'm going to show you some things that I believe the spirit of this age, okay, the spirit of this world is trying to creep into our lives and creep into the church. 
and, and using my text here in Exodus, I believe these are things that the spirit of this world is saying to us. And we want to break out of this. So here's how you know if you're serving God the devil's way. Amen. Number one, I want you to write these down. Number one, look at what Pharaoh says to Moses when Moses requests the ability to go serve God. He says to him, stay where you are and serve God. Stay where you are and serve God. Now, this is interesting to me because it makes sense. It almost makes sense that, okay, I'm going to give God my life. I'm just not going to change anything about my life. At least I'm going to church on Sunday. At least I've stopped smoking. At least I've stopped doing certain things. I'm just not going to leave my life and follow Jesus. And this is what uh, Pharaoh t tells uh, uh, Moses and Aaron. They come in and say, hey, we got to go. We got to leave this place and go worship God. And Pharaoh goes, no, 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 no. I tell you what. Why don't you just serve God here? Now, see, our carnal mind can go, man, that's a great idea. Wow, Pharaoh's not tripping. Pharaoh's not saying we can't serve God. Pharaoh's not saying we got to serve the Egyptian gods. He's cool with us serving God. Serve it here. And I love the man of God's response there. Moses says, no, nah, that ain't going to work. See, the enemy, Pharaoh, was trying to, you know, make a plea bargain here. Let, let's, let's work this out. How do I give you what you want? How do I ease your conscience but still own your life? This is what a lot of Christians do. They go to church to ease their conscience. They even give tithes and offering to ease their conscience because they ain't doing nothing for God. Well, at least I'm giving to God. But yeah, at least. But what does God require of your service? And some of us have, we've sat at the table with the devil and we've gone back and forth and we've reached a deal. Listen, don't, don't, don't make no deals with the devil. Come on, wasn't that a rock song back in the day? I don't know, Black Sabbath, ACDC. Was it somebody? Somebody help me here. Am I going? I don't know. All right. That's Metallica. I don't know. Somebody made a deal with the devil in a song. I think it was Van Halen. I know they was running with the devil in one song. That was one song. Dancing with the devil was another one. Come on, help me. I don't know. Let's just keep going here. I'm going to be here all day. To hell with the devil. That was a Christian one, though. That was, uh, who was that group? Striper. Come on, somebody. Yeah, I agree with that one. But stay where you are and serve God. See, if you receive Jesus, something's got to change, baby. Something's got to change. And it's never really been a problem getting people to the altar. It's usually the problem what they do when they leave this altar. Because you and I have seen people come to this altar. We never see them again. We never see him again. Because when they get home, Satan comes and he makes them a deal. Man, that was so cool what you did today. God is with you. But I tell you what, why don't you stay here and serve God? And I meet people all the time and they say, oh, I, I love God. Do you go to church? No, I, I, I read the Bible at home. I pray at home. I watch Christian TV at home. That's my church. Oh, I see, because you're serving God the devil's way. Because the last time I read the word of God, he said, 2 Corinthians chapter 6, put it on the screen there. He says, don't be yoked together with unbelievers, for what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? Or what fellowship can light have with darkness? What harmony is there between Christ and Bilal? Or what does a believer have in common with an unbeliever? What agreement is there between the temple of God and idols? For we are the temple of the living God, as God has said. I will live with them and walk among them, and I will be their God, and they will be my people. Look at verse 17. Therefore, come out from them and be separate, says the Lord. Touch no unclean thing, and I'll receive you. And I will be a father to you, and you will be my son's daughters in the Lord Almighty. And yes, that is new covenant teaching right there. Say it there. 
That's not Old Testament. That's new. If you're going to walk in this thing, you got to come out of some stuff. No, 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 no. Don't, 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 don't do that. Don't change nothing. Stay where you're at. You know, yeah, you can go to church, but nothing else in your life changes seven days a week. You got to come out of some stuff. Now, don't get nervous. We'll never be the church that has rules and regulations for serving God. That's why you got the Holy Ghost. Because he'll tell you what you need to let go of. He'll tell you where you need to stop doing. You just got to have enough love for him and trust in him to listen to him. You know, when I got saved, everybody know, here knows I'm a music lover. That's why I got all these crazy song titles in my head and stuff like that. Because I love music. I got saved. God said, throw that CD collection out. I said, what? He said, that's an idol. Get that, get rid of that. Now, no preacher preached a message and told me to, because I know churches, I know guys, I know youth groups. They even had like services where everybody brought their ungodly things and they threw them in a casket and, and, and they let it go out. And, and they brought all their rap CDs and their two short CDs and, and, and their, which, which is a good place for a two short CD. Put it in that casket in that, that two live crew. Come on, somebody. Uh, and, and yeah, and they would and they would take the casket out of the youth room and they would carry it. That's a good thing. But that, that it wasn't what it was for me. What it was for me was in prayer. I was crying out to God because I could not shake this lust spirit. I could not shake it. I would dream sex. I would, I would, man, I would crave. I was like, God, get rid of it. God said, you want to get rid of it? I said, yeah. He said, get rid of them CDs you've been listening to. I said, huh? <laughs> How many know when your kids, they, they, you tell them something, all of a sudden they lose their hearing? <laughs> Mijo, yeah? Go clean your room. Huh? We do that to God sometimes. God says, you want to get free from that thing? Get rid of that CD. Get rid of them CDs. Y'all need to know, man, I had the collection, man. I had, I had, every, I said, everything God, hey, I'll be sure ain't too bad, God, come on. He ain't talking about booties. It's just night and day, Lord. You know, he, he, he just, it's a little, get rid of that. Get rid of that. Break the, break the agreement with the unclean thing in your life. So I got rid of all my stuff. Are you tracking with me? See, some of us, we wouldn't serve God if it was like that. But I got news for you. You ain't serving God. You're serving yourself. Let's keep going. So I'm not, don't get nervous. I'm not preaching. You got to do this. Please hear this now. I'm not saying everybody here go do that. That was my road. That was my coming out of. That's what I had to do. Put your oldies on if God's cool with you. Go ahead. Because you know what? Later on, God gave them back to me. Not the too short, not the too live crew. Amen. I, that guy's dead. But little Al B. Sure never hurt nobody. Little Earth, Wind, and Fire never hurt nobody. Okay? Amen. So, so these were, this was my coming out. What is it that you got to come out of? What is it that God's been dealing with some of you and you keep going back to, but I could serve God here. God's saying, no, come out. Maybe there's friends you can't hang out with no more. Come out. Come out. Are you listening to the enemy and saying, I could serve God here? For two years after I got saved, I didn't go to a movie theater. I didn't own a TV when I moved out on my own in Bible college. I didn't own a TV. Now, don't get nervous. I ain't telling y'all to do that. And y'all know I love going to the movies. That's, that's like one of my times when I can clock out. For two hours, I ain't got to think about nothing but what's on the screen. Now, I'm choosy. Come on. I'm choosy. I don't be going to watch movies that are too crazy because I still got a mind. And I don't need to be seeing naked people in my mind. Amen. I got two amens on that. Amen. See, some of us still haven't learned how to discern things yet. We want rules. I'm not telling you not what not not to do. Listen to your spirit. So for me, for two years, I didn't go to the movies. I didn't watch TV. And no preacher came and said, get rid of the one-eyed devil. Remember those messages? That's a one-eyed devil. The, then the cord at the back, that's his tail. You laugh, but there was messages like that, right? You, you don't remember. There were, there were preachers get up and do that to you. That wasn't why I did it. 
I did it because in my time with God, he said, come out and worship me. And I did it. Some of us need to do that in our lives. But are you listening to the enemy where he says, stay here and worship me? Number two, second thing, Satan's going to tell you about serving God. Oh, that's a good one. He says, you can go to church, but live like I say. You can go to church, but live like I say. And this is what Pharaoh told uh, Moses in, in chapter 3 there. He says, no, you can worship here. You can do it here. You know, you ain't got to do all that. But I love what James uh, chapter 2 says in verse 14. It says, what does it profit, my brethren, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can faith save him? If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food and one of you says to them, desert, depart in peace, be warmed and filled, but you do not give them the things which are needed for the body, what does it profit? Thus also faith by itself, if it doesn't have works, it's dead. Someone will say, I have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without your works and I will show you my faith by my works. What is it saying here? It's saying that if you have faith, your works back it up. It's just like Jesus. He said, by their fruit, you shall know them. Everybody that says they're a Christian ain't a Christian. Everybody that says they're a Christian ain't a Christian. Everybody that goes to church ain't about it. Amen? It's not. Why? How can you tell? God, remember, Jesus said it's the wheat and the tares that come up together. The wheat and the tares. The wheat and the tares look exactly the same. Until... Harvest time. And you want to know what happens to the harvest at harvest time? The wheat, because it's got substance, it begins to bow. And when the harvesters go out in the fields, they see wheat and tares. But all of a sudden, when the time comes, the, the real wheat bows because of the weight of its fruit, the grain. And the harvester can go and say, oh, there's somebody bowing right there. Let me pick that up. That one's not bowing, so I'm going to leave that. I'm going to take this other one that's bowing. Are you tracking with me? There's something that separates us from the false, and that is our works. We're not saved by our works. This ain't, this ain't that kind of church where they say, hey, you got to do this, 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 and this to save you. No, we are saved by the blood of Jesus, by the grace of Jesus Christ because of what he did. But the evidence that I'm saved is how I walk and live my life right now. Don't get it twisted. Don't just be crying, grace, grace, grace. Yeah, God covers me. Yeah, I was in the bar last night. So what? Yeah, yeah. You know, because let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. If you're really about this thing, things change. If you're really about this thing, James says this, you're going to have the fruit. You're going to have work to back it up. And I have met many a Christian their life don't look much different than somebody that don't go to church. And my question to you today is, how does your life look unto God? Is it just like uh, Sammy Lunchmeat down the street who slept in this morning? The only difference between you and Sammy is that you were here for two hours. The only difference. You do the same things. Kicking at the same places. They made no changes. You see, Satan don't mind you serving God as long as you do what he says. And the minute a preacher like me gets up and begins to confront that spirit, people get upset. People get mad. I ain't going to that church. Who's that pastor think he is? And we start nitpicking and finding things wrong with folk. Listen, if we don't like the message, sometimes we attack the messenger. And we, you know, you, people leave here, I didn't like that church. Why? And they'll find something. But it really wasn't the something they didn't like. That thing on the inside of them, that voice that controls them, says, get out of that church. Don't go back to it. Don't go back to that place. Blame it on something else. Say you didn't like the music. Say somebody was mean to you. Say you didn't like the children facility. Say something, but don't go back there. Why? Because Satan don't mind you folks going to church. He wants to control your life. And so now we got a lot of, in a lot of churches, nice messages. Come on, be kind to animals. Put your shopping cart back when you go to Target. 
That's how we're a light in this world. But nobody's saying, hey, we got to get it together. Nobody's saying we got to come out of Egypt. You know what we're saying? We can serve God right here. We can serve God right here. It's okay. Go to church. Pay your tithe. Go to heaven. Nobody evangelizes. Nobody's witnessing. Nobody's making disciples. We just come into church clapping all happy because we're saved. Celebrating we don't go do drugs anymore. We don't drink no more. God delivered me. And Satan's like, cool, I'm cool with that. Because I got you in these other areas. Go ahead, go on to church. Elevate life. Amen. Satan's amen. Yeah, go ahead. Because I know Monday through Saturday or Sunday morning, come on, I got you. I got you. So go on, go ahead, go to that thing. Go ahead, do your little thing. Are you tracking with me today? That's the voice of the enemy. So Satan says to them, hey, I don't mind you going to, going to worship, but live like I say. I want to tell you right now, write down this word, consecration. Consecration. Consecration means separated to God. We got to get back to a place of consecration. You can't leave your Christianity at church. You can't leave it here. You got to take it home. Sunday morning, the Holy Ghost is coming. He's dropping gifts. I like to call He's dropping gems on you. Bam. Here's a pearl. Here's some gold. Here's something that's going to help you. This is going to make you a million dollars right here. This is going to straighten your man up. Not your man. This is going to get you a girl. Amen. This is going to get you. This is going to get you this. This is going to help your business. This is going to send you around the world. And we're like, yes, we writing down, taking notes. We walk out, leave the gift in the chair. Because we ain't consecrated. Because we just still want to do our deal and serve God. Listen, that's the spirit of this world, y'all. If you're about it, James says it got to have some works. I should be able to tell you're a Christian. I should be able to tell. Now, the old school folks, they thought, well, we got to dress different because, yeah, you got to be able to tell. No, that ain't it. Some of them old churches, you know what I'm talking about? You couldn't wear, girls had to wear dresses all the time, even when they went swimming. (laughs) Oh, yeah, you laugh. It's true. It's true. That didn't make no sense to me because what happens when a girl gets in a dress in in the water? The dress goes up, baby. And all of a sudden, all the guys swimming underwater. (laughs) Where the guys at? Oh, we we snorkeling. We snorkeling. (laughs) I never got that. I'm a pastor in Modesto. We had a lot of apostolic churches, you know. And, and they would have their picnics at the river, and we'd be at the river, and we're seeing these women going swimming in jerk dresses. I'm like, oh, my gosh. And when they get in the water, bloop. So now i got to tell all my youth, hey, hey, stay away from over there. Stay away from those folk. Just come over here. But, see, people tried to say, we're going to stand out by our garments. Did you know that's what the Pharisees and the Sadducees did? You know how you could tell a Pharisee and a Sadducee? What they wore. The big old hats, you see the, 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 the robes, and they came through the city, and they, and they looked different. It's kind of like the old school Christians. Every time you saw somebody in a suit, you knew they were a Christian. You go to Jamaica, it's like that. Well, Sunday, we're driving through Jamaica, and, and Pastor Travis goes, oh, everybody you see in a suit in 200-degree weather, that's a Christian. That's how they were. That's not what the Bible's talking about. It's by your works. Who's getting saved because of your life? Who you bring into church? Listen, for some of us, it's been too long since you brought somebody here. Well, you got to make disciples too. This ain't, this ain't just a, a, a us thing. It's a you thing, you see. But if you're going to be able to do that, you can't go to church. You can go to church, but live like I say is what the world says, the spirit of the world. We got to come out of that. Number three, the third thing Satan says about serving God. Ooh, here's a good one. Don't go too far. Don't go too far. So, Pharaoh says to Moses, Moses says, we need to leave. We're going to go worship God. So Moses, uh, Pharaoh says, no, stay here and worship God. Moses says, no, 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 that ain't going to work. We need to go. And then Pharaoh comes back and says, okay, then just don't go too far. Be a nice little Christian. Be a nice little Christian. Go to church. Give your little 10%. 
But you don't need to give that building fund. That, that, you, you giving enough. Don't go too far. Let's not get carried away now. <laughs> they are, you're already getting 10%. Now they're coming at you. Let's not get carried. Let's not go too far. I'm going to church. Yeah, that's good. But I ain't going to serve in that nursery. Be an usher and, and I got to get up extra early. Let's not get carried away. Let's not go too far. I run into this all the time. I was talking to somebody and say, hey, man, what you need is you need the power of the Holy Spirit. He said, oh, what's that? I said, man, you know, the, uh, the Bible talks about in Acts chapter two, that when the baptism of the Holy Spirit came, the spirit of God came on them and they began to speak in other tongues. He said, whoa, 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 whoa. That's too much. And, you know, this wasn't a new believer. This was a dude that had been in church 10 years. Still ain't ready for the Holy Ghost. He's still listening to that thing up there. Says, whoa, whoa, don't go too far. Don't go too far. That, that, that's, that's, that's too far. I don't think I need that. I wanted to get my, my Bible and just throw it at his head. And said, did that help? Can you see me now? Because something is not resonating if God says you need something and you think you don't. Because the last time I read the Bible, Jesus told the disciples, don't go anywhere and do anything until the comforter comes. Because he will give you the power to be a witness. And we got folks running around doing all kinds of stuff. They never been filled with the Holy Spirit. Because in their mind, they go, oh, that, that's too far. I don't understand all that. And it's usually religious folk. These are church people that have been in a while. Usually new believers, hey, we, we jump all into that. Amen? I don't know. I got, I got filled with the Holy Ghost like a, mo a month after I got saved. Because I was, what's that? Come on, you got to be that one, like that one at the party you used to go to. How many know that one at the party? Yeah, go, go back in time. Think back in your mind. Not, not too far back. Whoa, some of y'all. But some of y'all remember that one at the party, walk in a room, doesn't recognize what that bottle of liquor is. It could be lighter fluid. He just ain't never seen it before. And somebody said, hey, man, we're drinking lighter fluid. He said, give me some of that. We need to be that kind of believer in the spirit. I was that guy. I was that guy. I come to church, you know, I just went to a conference at Jubilee Christian Center in San Jose. I remember the first time, because I, I was raised a real nice AG boy, Assemblies of God boy. And I knew God, and I learned about God. I got saved in Assemblies of God Church. My grandfather was Assembly of God pastor. My generations, my uncles, my theologians, everybody that I knew was an Assembly of God. We had this, this thing. And in the Assembly of God, this is how God flowed. This is how tongues sounded like. This is how church went. And this, all this thing. And I remember my pastor at the time said, we need to go. I want to take you over to this church over here. I said, cool. He goes, it's not Assembly of God. And I was like, okay, you know. Are you cool with it? He said, yeah, let's go. So we went. I went into this place. That was the first place I saw a creative miracle take place. And I didn't go, that's too much. I said, give me some of that. Give me some of that. And I heard preachers from all over the world. We start going up once a month, once a month, and going there. And they're bringing preachers from all over the world. And every time somebody would get up with a, with a revelation and they would prophesy, I said, give me some of that. That brother just pulled somebody out, prophesied over him, read his mail. Give me some of that. How did he do? Give me some of that. T taught a class on intercession. I remember uh, this lady up there, she was an intercessor, a prayer warrior. She'd get up and serve, praying in tongues. And she just prayed for about 30 minutes. I said, give me some of that. But there were people around me. They said, ooh, that's too much. That's too much. Why? You want to know why? Because the spirit of the world was saying, don't go that far. Don't go that far. And so much of us, we live, we call it wisdom, but it's really fear. Because there's a fine line between fear and wisdom. It's like the mom that don't let their kid do anything. And she calls it wisdom. Don't let them do nothing. I saw a little kid. I was in Florida not too long ago. This little baby came up. He was about two years old, maybe a little bit under that. He's walking around. He had a helmet on. 
You know that? My wife was with me. I said, oh, pobrecito, this guy, poor kid, he's got a helmet on. I thought something was wrong with him mentally, you know. Amen? You thought, you know, he had some mental problems. I went over him. I was like, this, this kid's normal. I looked at the dad. I said, hey, man, how, how come he's wearing the helmet? Oh, we don't want him to fall. And I said, oh, really? The doctor, have you do that? He says, no, they sell these over at Target now for babies learning to walk. Now, understand this. I hope nobody here has one of them helmet baby. <laughs> Pray for me. I've been getting myself in trouble. I'm, but my wife's like, you're on your own now. I ain't got your back now. And it just kind of hit me that there's a level of that that is wisdom. It's wisdom. We don't want baby boy to hit, be hitting his head. We don't want him to accidentally fall and, and get that happen. But there's a whole other level that is fear. That is fear. Oh, my gosh. Mio's going to fall down. His skull is going to crack. Listen, baby, a million babies are born every week and nobody got helmets on them. Take a trip to Mexico real quick, just real quick. They running on glass barefoot. They running on climbing trees at one and a half in Mexico, man. Mowing lawns at three years old. Come on. You know, it's true. But, 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 but we got, but we putting helmets on, on two-year-old babies because we don't want them to fall over and there. There's a line. What's the line between wisdom and fear? And we got to learn the line in the spirit when it comes to the things of God. Some of us are so afraid of false doctrines and afraid of strange fire and afraid of this and afraid of that. That we don't ever take the time to just trust the Lord sometimes. And say yes to God and let our spirit sort it out. We got to learn how to heed the voice of God and recognize when Satan's trying to tell you, don't go too far. Some of you guys been dealing with you. You need to come on a missions trip with us. And you keep talking yourself out of it, but it really ain't you. It's that spirit that says, don't go too far. Don't go too far. Don't go. It don't take all that. You know, it don't take all that. God tells a single girl, you don't need to be dating. God comes to a single woman any single woman, and he says, you don't need to be dating. I'm just, I'm just speaking, obviously, over everybody. Comes and he says, you need to sanctify yourself and separate yourself unto me. But the voice of the world comes and says, you don't need to do all that, baby. You don't, you don't need to go that far. Amen? Amen? Theoretically speaking, theoretically speaking. <laughs> what would happen, though, if you would just let go of those reins and shut down that voice? What would your life be like if you would get rid of that thing that tells you not to go too far? For God, of course. For God. I want to bring Amanda up right now. Amanda just got back from her missions trip. And Amanda uh, was, uh, it was top secret. She couldn't uh, tell you where she was at, but some of you might have saw the pic she posted in the Atlantic. She's giving little clues. But she was uh, sent with the U.S. military. They paid the entire thing to go on a medical mission to Haiti. And uh, I think we got, some, we got some pictures to show. Uh, is it a slide form or just a picture? Okay, go ahead and play the slides real quick, and then we'll let uh, Amanda come and explain what we're looking at here afterwards. Tell us a little bit about your trip. I'm just warning you, I'm channeling the spirit of Cheeto. I'm going to cry, so it's <laughs> scary. Um, so I was given this opportunity to go on the trip with the Navy. Um, it's, the mission is called Continuing Promise, and they do it every two years in the Caribbean. That's the U.S. Naval ship Comfort. It's a fully functional floating hospital. It's bigger than where I work. They had... 
76 bed ICU. Where I work, we have 20 beds. So I did some work on the ship in the intensive care unit caring for the patients that they brought on for surgery. So basically the military coordinates with all these different countries. I just happened to be in Haiti. Um, and they bring people onto the ship for uh, very simple surgeries that they can recover from quickly. And then we also did medical clinics on shore. So we were parked in the middle of the bay in Port-au-Prince. So in order to get off the ship, we had a 20-minute boat ride to shore and then a 45-minute bus ride through downtown Port-au-Prince, Haiti to get to these clinics. Um, there were doctors from all over the world, Brazil, Germany, Peru, France, I believe. Dennis, Operation Smile was there, Project Hope. So it was really a huge international mission. You know, one thing that's very interesting to me, God gave me this trip. God knows the desires of my heart. He knows I like working with the military. This was not a church trip. But you don't need to go with a church group to be a representative of Christ. You're a representative of Christ everywhere you go. So, you know, one thing that God really taught me on this trip was trust because this was a dangerous trip. Everywhere we went, we had armed police escorts. There was a man in every bus with a machine gun um, escorting us, and they had armed guards at every clinic to keep the people who were waiting from rioting because they have no medical care or very little, and what they have, they have to pay for, and these people have no money. A lot of what you saw in the pictures is trash. So everywhere we went, it's just like a big dump. There was so much trash that even on the ship, I looked over the edge one day, and there was about three or four feet of trash just along the, the ship, and they had to send divers down to clear the trash out of the intake so the ship could still function. Um, so we slept on the ship every night, and then we would go out during the day. Between the two medical clinic sites, we saw between 1,500 and 2,000 patients a day. Um, you know, we were trying to just get as many people through there as we could because they have nothing. One of the doctors told me the childhood mortality rate in Haiti, between one and three, one out of every three children will die before the age of five. One out of every three children will die before the age of five. So we literally had people dying in the line waiting to see us. We had a, an eight-day-old baby who was wrapped up so much, and they waited all day in the heat that by the time the baby got to the gate, the baby was dead. So we had to deal with some of that kind of stuff. I will tell you guys, the babies were running around naked. They, were, they don't have diapers, they were peeing all over. I mean, these people don't have bathrooms, so we tell them to go give us a urine specimen and they try to go in the corner of the room and just squat. I mean, it was, it was really hard. But you know, one thing that God really taught me was trust because there's a lot of stuff on this trip that could kill me. There was one day I was washing my hands outside the porta potties at the clinic and I was looked where the pipe of water came from. It was coming from the cholera ward. <laughs> so, you know, I had to just say, you know what, God, you sent me. I'm not going to get cholera. I'm not going to get TB. I'm not going to get malaria. I'm not going to get shot. You sent me on this, so you're going to protect me. Um, the other thing that I think that everybody needs to know, yes, go on a mission. What pastor said, just do it. Just go. When you go on a mission, you're going to go to a dark place. This Haiti was a, a very, I mean, to, to be honest with you, it's the closest thing to a war zone I've ever seen. It's a very dark place, but God did not call us to be a light in the daytime. God called us to be lights in the very dark places. So even though we couldn't fix these people's healthcare system, we can't get rid of all the trash that they're living in or the sewage that they're living in, we can go, we can be a light, we can smile. So that's what we're called to do. Thank you, Amanda. That's somebody who didn't listen to the voice of this world when it said, don't go too far. I pray we all get that. And it ain't, I'm not, we're not preaching missions this morning. You know, that's just, that's who we are. I don't even need to preach that. But what I'm saying is, let's not let the spirit of this world hold you back from your destiny, your potential. When it comes to God, go as far as he wants to take you. Can I get an amen? Let me finish this because I want to I deal with this all. Give me, give me five more minutes. Anybody give me five more minutes? Raise your hand if you gave five more minutes. Five, 10, 15, 20, 25. 
I'm joking. I'm joking. Okay, let's keep going here. So number four. All right. So what was the first one? First one is stay where you are and serve God. Number two, you can go to church, but live like I say. Number three, don't go too far. Listen, don't be that. This voice says this. Don't be that kind of Christian. Don't be that strong in prayer. Pray strong. Never understand why Christians who are loud pray weak. If we say, see you next week, y'all going to the corner. What's up? Hey, ha ha, loud. If we say pray. <laughs> Some of us pray real strong in English. Father, help us. God, yes. Let's pray in the spirit. Shimmy, show, shimmy, 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 We got to just be who we are. Amen. You can never have the benefits of that which you're ashamed of. You can never have the benefits of that which you're ashamed of. Glad my dad taught me that as a young man. I went to, I was, we were in the charter class of Capital Christian Center. First class, it opened up in 1981. We were the first Mexican family in that whole thing. I'm serious, and it might not have been a big deal, but it was odd for me because I lived here in South Sac. And we drove across town to go there, and my classmates, I looked around, and nobody looked like me. First grader, nobody looked like me. I said, okay, all right, what do we do? I went home, I said, dad, you know, he's like, how's it going? I talked to my dad and, you know, he said, mijo, don't even worry about that. You know, and I've told you about how things, he helped me appreciate who I am, appreciate the color of my skin, appreciate my background, take pride in it, because once you're ashamed of it, you can't have the benefits of it. So whether you're African-American, Filipino, Hmong, Mexican, own that thing, Amen. Tell your neighbor, own that thing. You're Caucasian, own that thing. All right? Whatever you are, own it. Because you can't have the benefits of it if you're ashamed of it. And that doesn't just go for your race. That goes for your Christianity. And they say you're a Christian, you're like, yeah. Anybody go to church? Or you're about to pray, you're at a business meeting and you got to pray over your food? So you act like you got a headache? Own that thing. Hey, you guys want to pray? Let's pray. Boom. They're looking at you like, what? Own it. Because what you're ashamed of, you can't have the benefits of. So don't listen to that voice. It's amazing to me. Many churches today look like church, uh, spirit-filled churches. You can't tell the difference between a spirit-filled church and an evangelical church. Same worship, same flow, no Holy Ghost. I got a problem with that. Amen? Let's keep going. Number four. So the spirit of this word will tell you this. Only the men should go serve the Lord. Exodus chapter 10, 7 through 10. Look what it says here. Pharaoh's officials said to them, okay, okay, you want to go out. You want to go long. Okay, I get it. But how long will this man be a snare to us? The, the guy says to Pharaoh. Let the, this is one of the uh, officials. He says, let the people go so that they may worship the Lord their God. Do you not yet realize Egypt is ruined? Verse 8. Moses and Aaron were brought back to Pharaoh. Pharaoh says, go worship the Lord your God, he said. But tell me who's going with you. Moses answered and said, we will go with our young, our old. Our sons, our daughters, come on, our dogs, our flocks, our herds, because we are to celebrate the festival of the Lord. And Pharaoh says, nah, the Lord be with you. See, the spirit of this world tries to be nice to you. Pharaoh says, the Lord be with you. Pharaoh don't give a rip about the Lord being with them. He says, the Lord be with you. If I let you go along with your women and children, clearly you are bent on evil. No. Have only the men go and worship the Lord, since that what you've been asking for. Then Moses and Aaron were driven out of Pharaoh's presence. It breaks my heart sometimes. Some churches don't let women preach. I think even in, in some of mentalities here, when my wife is up here preaching or somebody else is preaching, y'all have a hard time with it. We got to break past that thing. Because in the kingdom, it's not just about the men. That's the spirit of this world. Spirit of the world says, yeah, I'll follow a man, but a woman, pff, you better come again. Let me challenge all the men here. You need to get free of that stuff. I, I know, I know the guys, even guys in my discipleship group, some of that's deep inside of us. You know, you're good to hear from me, but what if our female leader gets up here? Oh, well, that's just, you know, some people say, oh, that's the pastor's wife. 
Let me just say this again. I say this all the time. My wife is not the pastor's wife. She pastors with me. She's the co-pastor with me. And I know people are, oh, well, pastor, you know, I'm good with a man. But are you listening to the spirit of this world when it says only the men can go? I believe in empowering women. Can I get an amen? Amen. Believe in that. That's what the Bible talks about. There was plenty of women that, that prophesied and preached in the book of Acts. Read the Bible. New covenant. Yeah, New Testament stuff. And somebody always wants to bring up, oh, the women need to be silent. Those scriptures. Read things in context. Read things in context. That was a church that was having problems with women getting up, gossiping and doing all that stuff. And so Paul had to tell him, tell your women to sit down and shut up. But that wasn't to all of us. That wasn't to all the women in the, in, in, in the, in, in the Christianity. Can I get an amen? amen? But he also said, leave the youth. And that's what's happening in churches all over America. They're being left behind. So when they turn 18, they go back to the world. Not in this church, baby. I started preaching at 19. I thank God that my pastor said, oh, the youth got to come too. We, we activate the young people here in this church. That's why you got, you know, Junior up there singing. You got my son running the back. He's running the slides. You go in children's ministry, they're serving. Because it's not just about men. The women and children got to come too. And I want to encourage the men. We lead from the front. We lead from the front. Your kids aren't going to do what you tell them. They're going to do what they see you do. So you, you ain't passionate about church? Don't trip when your kid turns 21 and he want to go in the bar rather than be in church. He'd rather go hang with the homies and be in church. Because you taught him all that time grumbling after church. Dang, pastor went a little long today. They're hearing that. Your kid's hearing that. And he's going, okay. That's how dad feels about church. You know, you having dinner and you cutting, you cutting up the pastoral team at your, at your, instead of cutting up the meat. I don't know why Elevate does it. Like, I don't know why Pastor Sergio does it. And then your kid gets on drugs and then you want to come and get me to talk to him. All the while, you've been gossiping about me and telling you, talking about how I don't know what I'm doing. And now when you need me, it, it, he ain't going to listen to me either. Oh, that's a message in itself. Let me keep going. I'm trying to wrap up here. Amen. So we've got to make sure we're not listening to the spirit of the world that says only the men should go and serve God. Help me with the keyboard, uh, Jay. Number five, the last one is this. Well, the last one here. Oh, actually, I got two more, but I'm going to do this quick. The last one, go with your families, but leave your stuff and be poor. Exodus chapter 10, verse 24, Pharaoh says to Moses, go serve the Lord, only let your flocks and herds be kept back. Let your little ones also go with you. So each step, he's giving them something. We ain't, we ain't supposed to be poor, y'all. I pray to God, God gives every single one of you a vision to own your own home. Let's start there. Be landowners. Own your own home. Young people, start saving now. Drive a bucket, put some money away, own a home by the time you're 23. By the time you're 23, own a home. It ain't got to be in Rockland, but own a home. Because we've got to get this, get free of this thing. The enemy's like, oh, cool, you can serve God, but don't own nothing. Be poor. I know I'm in South Sacramento. I know, I know where I'm at. This is what we need to get. Because Deuteronomy chapter 8 to 18 tells me this. You shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth, that he may confirm his covenant that he swore to your fathers as it is this, as it is this day. God's given us power. Satan says, serve God, just don't have nothing. Just stay poor. We got to come up out of that. We got to have vision to be landowners. We got to have vision. We got to have vision to go further than our, our forefathers. We got to have vision to be owners. Put it in our kids. Our kids are going to college. They're going to college. I know you and your cousins didn't go to college, but your kids are going to go to college. Universities. I hear somebody's voice. Who's going to pay for it? See, that's the problem. That's the problem. You've been you coming to church 10 years and you can't believe God in the area of finances. You're still being held captive by money. Somebody said to me, dang, you know, you talk about money a lot in your church. I think you're all about money. Yeah, I'm all about money. That's why I came to South Sacramento to start a church. If 
that's true, I'm retarded. I'm, not, I'm dumb, okay? Excuse me, I'm dumb. If, that, if that's my heart, I came here to get money. Wake up. Wake up. Because there's a lot of other places I could be to fulfill that vision. That's not my heart. My heart is to give keys and to preach the good news to the poor. And the good news to the poor is you ain't got to be poor. You ain't got to be poor. Amen? Last one and I'm done. Number six. Spirit of the world, spirit of compromise wants you to know it's not so bad. Exodus chapter 28, Pharaoh said this, I'll let you go to offer sacrifices to your Lord, your God in the wilderness, but don't go very far. Look at this last part, he says, now pray for me. Now pray for me. See, what was Pharaoh trying to do? He's trying to sucker Aaron and Moses into making a deal by trying to convince him that he's not so bad. The world is trying to convince you, church, it's not so bad. It's not so bad. You ain't got to stop drinking. It ain't that bad. You ain't got to stop hanging with them. It's not so bad. You can still go here. You can still do that. It ain't so bad. You can still have premarital sex. It ain't so bad. Hey, it's 2015, baby. It ain't so bad. See, you listening to that spirit of the world that says it ain't so bad. But it is. I don't want anything that my God is requiring of me. I don't want it. I don't want it. And when God says it ain't good, then it ain't good. If God says he requires it of me, then I'll give it to him because I trust him. Stand on your feet. I'm going to dismiss you. I know it went a little long today. Went a little long, but I need to deal with this thing because some of y'all can't go any further unless your eyes are opened up unless you begin to break this agreement with compromise in your life. You ain't going to go any further. Because as a pastor, I can't keep spending Sundays trying to convince you of the gospel. I can't keep trying to convince you to break away from that lifestyle. I can't be the one trying to convince you to do good, to love God and lift others. Baby, you got to get it on your own. But first, you got to break the covenant that you've made with the spirit of this world. Y'all don't know, but I see it on some of you. I see you come in with that thing piggybacking on you. And you're going to come to the word and you're going to take bits and pieces. But you ain't going to take this. No, 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 don't touch my sports. No, 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 don't touch my boyfriend. Don't touch my relationship, pastor. I'm good, but da, 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 we, we don't, don't try to speak into that. It ain't me. It's the Holy Ghost trying to tell you some things. I'm good, but don't, don't try to tell me how to live. You don't know me. I don't, but God does. And this thing ain't about me and you. This thing's about you and him. Bow your head and close your eyes. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you are here with your power and your might. Holy Ghost, I know you're here to break covenants with the wrong spirits. To come so that we can fall out of agreement. So that we can fall out of agreement with the things we shouldn't be walking with. And Lord, I just thank you that the anointing is present to break the yoke. In Jesus' name. And there are some of us here that are yoked to the voice of the enemy. We haven't been able to go that far. We've been, we've been saying, playing compromise and bargaining with the enemy. And the enemy's saying, go to church, but don't give up this. Still hang out with those folk and don't do this. And don't tithe and don't give and all these things. Today, we're breaking that thing. I want every eye closed just for the sake of focus. Please, nobody looking around right now. Because I want the Spirit of God to speak to you. Because this is going to be a supernatural time of prayer at this altar right now. In the Spirit, God is going to break the yoke off of your ears, off of your mind. So this ain't for everybody, but it's for somebody. And if you need, if you're like stuck, if you're in a place where things aren't happening for you, this may be for you. You may need to get in on this prayer. Because there's some of us, you've listened to this voice too long. God is calling you to come out of Egypt, come out of bondage, come out of slavery. But you can't do it unless you do it his way. And maybe you're here today and you're saying, man, that's me. God's been challenging me to do stuff and I ain't been doing it. I've been, I've been listening 
to the voice of compromise and I'm robbing myself of true freedom. If that's you, I want you to just slip up a hand right now. I want to pray for you. I want to pray for you. Yes, 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 yes. Hands going up all over this place. I want you to do one other thing. Yeah, this is the other thing. And that's, that spirit's going to come right now and say, no, 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 don't go too far. It's cool to raise a hand, but don't you dare go up to the front. Don't listen to that. Don't listen to that. If you raise your hand right now, I need, to, I need you to come. And I want you to come to this altar right now. And you coming to this altar is breaking that agreement. Just begin to come right now. Just begin to come right now. Just begin to come. Just begin to come. And don't focus on me. Focus on the Holy Spirit. No, just stand on your feet if you could because I want to pray for you. Just stand on. Just come right now. Just come. And don't focus on me. Focus on the Spirit of God right now. Holy Ghost, I just thank you. Yes, yes. Close your eyes. Holy Ghost, I just thank you right now. Yes, praise God. I'm going to stay up here and pray for these for a minute. The rest of you, I want to pray over you, dismiss you. If you need to go, you can go. If you want to stay, stay. Father, I just thank you. We seal this word today. And Father, we ask that you help us this week recognize the spirit of this world and recognize the voice of our God. We break the agreement today with the enemy. And we come into our fullness and our promise in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Listen, I apologize for keeping you very long. God bless you if you need to go. But I'm going to stay here at the altar. You could stay. And, and if I can get the worship team to come and just lead us in some, lead us in some chorus. Or just at least uh, uh, Ariel. I know the guys had to leave early. So God bless you guys. You are dismissed. Uh, ushers, do not break down the area yet. We want to keep a, an atmosphere of worship. God bless you guys.